Good morning, afternoon, and evening. Welcome to the 8311 Cast, your premier Midwestern based sports podcast, bringing you all things sports to your beautiful ears. Join your hosts, Kyle Mersch, Mike Ludwig, and Wyatt Teeter as we talk to you about college football, the NFL, the MLB, and of course, our signature segments, Mike's Stupid Rules and Write That Down Predictions, on episode 116. If you recall, back in November 19th, 2016, Texas Tech with Patrick Mahomes as the quarterback lost to Iowa State, a whopping 66 to 10. That is a 56 point loss differential, huge number. Patrick Mahomes in the NFL playing for the Kansas City Chiefs, every game that he played in that he lost. If you add up the, the loss differential from all those games, you get 44 points. So Pat Mahomes in the NFL has not lost a game like by a lot. We all know that he hasn't lost by more than a score, right? Uh, that's a pretty well-known fact, but he hasn't lost even the total amount of points that he lost when he played Iowa State last when he was in college. That kind of went off the rails. But you, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's crazy. That's an insane number. My does, does that mean that Iowa State can win a Super Bowl? <laughs> no. That no. Mean Iowa State can win a Super Bowl. Hot take there, Kyle. And no, Alabama cannot beat the New York Jets. Anyway, that is not what we're talking about in this episode. I just hate when people make that comparison because it's ridiculous. But can Alabama beat the Jacksonville Jaguars? No, they cannot beat the Jacksonville Jaguars. They are a college team, and a college team will not beat an NFL. Well, sure, maybe they could. But if you played ten times, the Jaguars would win seven of at least, if not more. It's just, yeah, it's just the way it is. Um, anyway, that's not what we're talking about. I got us completely off track. What we are going to start talking about is some Cyclone basketball. The men's basketball team, as you all know, was on COVID pause here for the last couple of weeks. They are back in action now, starting actually Monday night with a game against Oklahoma State. Um, Iowa State is without seven players um, for this game, um, including three starters. So that's uh, 56% of their scoring um, on the season is out for this game against Oklahoma State. So I uh, wouldn't expect much. But also this revised schedule is just wicked. From February 2nd to February 20th, um, the Cyclones play eight games in 18 days, right? That's basically a game every other day. Um, that's basically an NBA schedule. Yeah, including game a Thursday, Saturday against K, uh, at KU and then against KU. I mean – Basically, you're playing pretty much every other day for the rest of the uh, really the ridiculous stretches from February 6th to February 20th, where they literally are playing pretty much every other day. Yeah. February 6th to February 20th, seven games in 15 days. So don't ex- you weren't expecting much of this team before the COVID pause. Moral of the story, don't expect much from this team after the COVID pause. I mean, Kyle, you had a, a write that down prediction that they might not win uh, five conference games. Let's just correct that to they might not win five games. Like, what do they got? They got two wins right now. I mean, they're two and seven. I'm not sure they're going to get to five game, five wins at all. This is definitely going to be a year where your football team wins more games than your basketball team, and that's never a good year. You never want the football team to win more games than your basketball team. I don't care how good your football team is. Your basketball team should win more games. So 
sad year for Iowa State basketball, but we'll get back at it next year. Well, and, you know, they're still going to play this year, but who cares? Um, the women's team, as you know, is coming off a huge upset of Baylor in Waco. They had a little bit of a, a letdown this week. They did have a one-point win against Oklahoma, but then they um, lost to Texas by 11 at home. Um, not exactly what you wanted there. Um, they're still in a great place in the Big 12 standing, so I wouldn't be concerned about them. They're definitely an NCAA tournament. It's and it, nice to keep that momentum. And it should it should go uh, as noted that their star their best player on the team, Ashley Jones, did not play in the loss to Texas, and that alone probably it gives you at least another 15 to 16 points probably out of her as she is averaging around 24 points per game uh, so far this season. So she's one of the top 15 players in the country period. Yeah. So. And, and that game could have been wildly different if she had played a uh, huge loss when you don't have your best, best player on the court and maybe arguably the big 12 player of the year uh, in the conference on the court. Uh, it, it definitely takes its toll, but they'll get back to action. As Mike said, they're still in a great spot. Um, this team still could end up winding or end up winning the uh, Big 12 regular season championship year. So yeah. keep an eye on that. Yeah, and they will go to the NCAA tournament, barring an absolute disaster here down the stretch. So Keep an eye on that. If you want to watch NCAA tournament basketball for the Cyclones, uh, start following the women at this point. That'll be your only chance to. Uh... But speaking of championships, um, this week in the NFL was NFC and AFC championship week. Um, the first game of the day on Sunday was the NFC championship um, between Rodgers and Brady. Um, and the Buccaneers ended up winning this game 31-26. to But it was not without some controversy. Um, neither quarterback was great in this game. Specifically, Tom Brady was not great. Um, he was 20-36 of 36 for 280 yards with three touchdowns, but he also threw three interceptions. Um, so his quarterback rating was... Uh, 73.8. Yeah, it was 73.8. Um, Aaron Rodgers on the other side was better. He was 33 of 48 for 346 yards and three touchdowns with only one interception, but he was sacked five times as well. His quarterback rating was 101, so a little better, but still not phenomenal. Um, it's it's worth noting that he had way more pressure on him this week. Well, it, it definitely hurts when you have your all-pro left tackle, David Bakhtiari, not playing for you. Um, yeah. Jason Pierre-Paul, the defensive end for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, absolutely torched their uh, replacement left tackle this week. Um, he, he looked like his feet were stand, was standing in quicksand at times. Uh, he just was not good at all in this game. Yeah. Um, there was some other controversy in this game. There was a lot of complaining about the officiating, what was called on, against receivers, what wasn't called. I'm not going to get into that. If you want to get into that, there's certainly tons of places you could do that. I'm not going to get into petty officiating banto when it comes to subjective calls here and there. We will talk about some of the officiating for this game in Mike's Stupid Rules, but it's probably not what you would think about. Um, so stay tuned for that. What I do want to talk about is one um, 
somewhat controversial decision by um, the Packers coach, Matt LaFleur, near the end of the game. So with the Packers down by eight, with just over two minutes left in the game, the Packers were facing a fourth and goal at their um, a fourth and goal at about the eight yard line. Um, they chose with about two ten left to kick a field goal um, to go to be down five as opposed to going for it on fourth and goal. Um, so basically, they made the field goal. They gave the ball back to Tom Brady um, in the box, but then they never got the ball back and the game was over. They ended up losing by five. Now, I want to go around the table. We have a discussion on this. There's been lots of discussion about this. Do you think this was the right or wrong decision? So first, I'm going to come at you with the uh, the numbers argument just first because I'm a numbers guy. Um, so basically, taking into account the probability of success of making the field goal versus making the, uh, the touchdown, um, the Packers had a 10% chance to win if they would have chosen to go for it and a 9.5% chance to win if they kick the field goal, according to uh, ESPN's win probability modeling. So the numbers would say you have a 5% better chance to win that game if you go for it um, there versus. So that says it's only marginally better, but still better. Um, I was of the opinion that you got to go for it. You have the probable league MVP in Aaron Rodgers, and you just said, we're not going to let him go make a play. That I, I am absolutely in the camp that you got to go for it. You got to try to win the game while you have the ball to win the game. Um, I don't know if either of you disagree. We could love to have a discussion about it and hear your guys' thoughts. So I'm going to preface – yeah, you go ahead, Kyle, actually. You probably have a more sound than I do. I would love to disagree with you just for the actual conversation of disagreement, but I am of the opinion that you have to go for it. You see what Tom Brady has done in his entire career. Look at uh, the 2018 AFC Championship game. He gets the ball and over time goes down and wins the game. When Tom Brady needs to have a possession to seal a game, to win a game, go get points, I'm picking Tom Brady all the time to be able to do that. That's just who he is. That's how he operates. He is clutch in crunch time. Uh, You have Aaron Rodgers, who was the MVP of the season. Don't leave it up to your defense. Your defense was giving up third and longs all game long. This Packers defense is one of the most vulnerable things. They've been talking about how vulnerable they are. They decided to keep their defensive coordinator. In my opinion, I don't think that was the right call. Uh, It seemed to be working, but it was not working in this game. They were giving up conversions that they shouldn't have been. They weren't getting off the field. Matt LaFleur said that he had four timeouts left, which they had all the, they had their full lot of timeouts plus the two-minute warning. Right. That's only good if you can stop them from getting a first down. And they didn't show all game that they really could unless Tom Brady was making errors and throwing interceptions. I think in this case, it is a postseason game. What do you have to lose? You go home, what do you have to win? You're going to the Super Bowl you got to go for it. At least give yourself an opportunity to tie that game and get it in the hands of a coin flip, I guess, because that's how overtime rules work. And if Tom Brady beats you in overtime, so what? But you got to give your team a shot. I, I don't understand the decision. Aaron Rodgers said it wasn't his decision in his post-game interview. 
Matt LaFleur stood by it. Of course he's going to because he looked like a fool, in my opinion. You got to go for it there. So if you if you're a coach that all season has been basing a majority of your your game game time decisions uh, off of statistics, you're saying that you should totally ditch the statistics on the most important play of the season. Yeah. Why? How do you make that decision? Because the postseason, I think when you get into the postseason to the playoffs, there's so much of it that is a gut feeling. You can you can look at other sports too and how other sports use their analytics departments in certain areas. I mean, yes, but but right when we get into the analytics discussion here, there's a big difference between I think I need to pull Blake Snell now because he's bad the third time through the order, yeah. and I have a better I statistically have a better chance of winning this game if I kick a field goal versus going for it. They're two very different discussions. Yeah, right. As far as analytics concerns, like this kick this kick versus go for it is like the very beginning of analytics. It's just like win percentage. Like that's like the baseline of analytics. Whereas like Blake Snell is like that Blake Snell decision in the world series is like 3d chess analytics, right? Like this is like baseline analytics. Like I can agree that sometimes you have to throw out those high level analytics, like made that Blake Snell decision in the world series. But this one, Listen to the numbers. But at what point can you, uh, right? There was a 5% difference between these two decisions, right? According to your stats. It was a a 0.5 percentage points, but a 5% difference because it was a a 10% chance if you go for it, nine and a half if you don't. So it's 0.5 percentage points, 5%. Okay. Yeah, I got you. You know, can you say if the difference between these two percentages are so minimal, can you just go with your gut read, right? He's not going to, the coach isn't going to do that if he's been, you know, going off the stats book the whole season. I, I don't know. It's hard to play devil's advocate because I really think they should have went for it, right? I, I don't see why you'd want to kick the field goal. That's kind of one of those things where you make the decision and you're just like, man, I really wish I wouldn't have done that. Like, ah, I, I can't imagine. And, and of course, we're not coaches. We're not NFL coaches. So, or armchair coaching here. No, but. We're, we're couch coaches. We're couch coaches. I'm sitting in a recliner, not on a couch. Just saying. I'm a recliner coach. You're a recliner coach. I'm an office chair coach, but, you know, potato, potato. <laughs> I don't know why why you could go there. I understand the stats say to do it. And even if you really no, no, want no. to trust and believe in the stats. The stats, stats say go for it. it. The stats say go for it. Yeah. What? 10% chance to win if you go for it. 9.5% chance to win if you kick. Oh, my whole argument is blown out of the water. Then. I thought it was the other way around. Oh, pfft. what was he thinking? No, yeah. The, the stats say go for it. I, yeah. I don't get it. And to be I, honest, we wouldn't be having this discussion if Aaron Rodgers would have just ran it on third. That's like, what I was like. Literally, right? I was watching that live yeah. and I'm like, oh, shoot, he's going to run for a touchdown. That was so he, awkward. Like, he, he like doesn't run for a touchdown, right? A and couple yards. Five yards there. I think they go for it from the three, right? Versus the eight. So you know they're going for it at the three because you've been saving up your best two point conversion play. It's only one yard further out the whole season. You've got one play, you know what play you're comfortable with. You go for that 100% of the time. Yeah. That was just so awkward to see Rodgers run up, kind of do a stumble footsie dance to stay behind the line of scrimmage to get to fire off a pass into double coverage. Yeah. Like, ah. Yeah. 
that's almost more painful than not going forward on fourth down, I think. But if yeah. we're just discussing this point, I mean, I don't know why you wouldn't. Yeah. I thought he at least had the stats behind him, but no, never. No, I was wrong. Nope. He did not have the stats behind him at all. Um, yeah. So, I mean, for me, right, this comes down to a larger discussion in the NFL is why has the NFL and their coaches been so slow to embrace even this basic level of analytics, right? Like, as we just talked about, there's a point where analytics can go too far. But basically, every other sport has embraced these analytics, right? You see it in baseball with shifts and things like that. You see it in the NBA with their shoot a three or a layup and nothing else philosophy, right? You see it in the NHL, specifically in overtime with the, if you control the puck in overtime, you can't lose, right? You see these philosophies, these analytical philosophies in every other sport. Why is football not adopting them? Why do teams still punt in stupid situations in the NFL? Why does things like this still happen? I mean, we can talk about this in the Chiefs versus the Bills game too. Why didn't the Bills go for it on fourth and three? I mean, the, 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 the big one, the two big ones for the playoffs are Tennessee's, for me, Tennessee's decision to punt on that fourth and two from their opponent's 40 at one point when you have the best running back in the league in Derrick Henry. And then also Pittsburgh's decision to punt against the Browns late in the game um, when you had all the momentum and you had a fourth and short from midfield. Those are the head-scratching ones. Like, there have been just some terrible punts just in this postseason. I mean, on the other side, you can look at how the Chiefs sealed their their bid to the AFC Championship game, right? Like, why would you do that? Why would you snap the ball? I mean, that's the correct – the analysts would say that's the correct decision, though. Snapping the ball, though. Yeah. Yeah, You're not – the, the Browns had all the momentum there. If, if the, I'm not just to be clear, I'm not disagreeing with it. The analytics would almost always say if you have one play to gain half a yard to win the game, you should do it. Most of the time, you're not taking that play out of shotgun, running a small, small <laughs> little bootleg to the right and I mean, passing it. I mean, that's what that's what I mean. But yeah, but, but in general, the but, analytics would say if you have. Right, if you walked into any football game and said you can play this football game, or you can have one play where you need to gain half a yard, they're going to take the one play to go half a yard and go try to win that football game. So you should always do that. Like I said, I didn't disagree with the call by any means, but you can look at it, you know, from a successful approach or from a silly, unsuccessful approach. Those punts you were talking about. Yeah, basically, NFL coaches need to embrace analytics more. That's what I'm trying to say. Just basic ones. Let's start small. Don't punt in stupid situations. Look at the numbers. That's the moral of this story. Um, anyway, that's only one of the two NFL games this weekend. Um, Kyle, do you want to fill us in on the other one? Yeah, I'd love to. I, it, was a, it was an exciting weekend of championship football. Um, there was a lot of hype for this AFC championship game, but also a lot of concern uh, on it was made aware on Friday that Patrick Mahomes was indeed going to play in this game. He had cleared the concussion protocol, even though that was actually not officially the injury that he had suffered. Um, he also had a turf toe designation, but that did not seem to be a problem as he threw for over 300 yards uh, in this game against the Bills. Um, Patrick Mahomes himself was 29 of 38, 325, three touchdowns, uh, was only sacked once, but 
The Chiefs got down early again. It seems like this is a common thing that happens in the playoffs with them. Last year, down 24 to nothing, uh, down by nearly double digits, but they just find a way to come up with runs. Uh, it's almost like a basketball team on offense where they just pile together a run. In this game, it was a 38-6 to run that the Chiefs had, uh, and their secondary was able to stymie J- Josh Allen and the Bills just enough. Um, I, As I alluded to a little bit earlier, they I think the Bills had a, some questionable play calls where they – ended up kicking two field goals when they had fourth and shorts, which I think they should have gone for, especially because they didn't use Josh Allen enough in the running game. Um, but the Chiefs held up on third down. They The Bills coming into this game were the top third down offense in the league. The Bills were only 5 of 14 on third down in this game. Uh, going into the game, the Chiefs had the 32nd ranked red zone defense. The Bills were only two out of five in red zone opportunities for scoring touchdowns. And one of those happened to be at the one yard line because the Chiefs fumbled the play before on a punt. Uh, So in that case, that one, it counts, but it really doesn't. It's hard to stop a team when they're at the one yard line with four plays. But I don't. I, I want your opinion on this, Mike. I What I saw is I saw Josh Allen trying to do too much in this. You saw how many sacks he took in this game, especially long sacks. Is it the case that when you're playing against a quarterback on the other sideline, you know how we talk all the time about these quarterback matchups. It was all hyped up before the week, or Patrick Mahomes versus Josh Allen. It was hyped up Aaron Rodgers versus Tom Brady. When you're a quarterback on the opposite sideline, do you look across and say, I know this quarterback is going to play extremely well. I got to do more for my team. And so you see Josh Allen taking these 20 and 30 uh, yard losses uh, in this game, trying to do too much. Maybe it was a case of him trying to do too much, but I don't think it had anything to do with Pat Mahomes being on the other side. I think it more had to do with the game, being in the AFC championship game, carrying the pressure of that city, right, on his back. I think it had to do more with that than Mahomes because he did look like he was trying to do too much. Um, He did not play his best game. Um, So that was, I mean, that was unfortunate for him. But, I mean, in the end, he's still a young quarterback, right? It was his first AFC championship game. Right. He'll get better. He'll be back. Right. That, be there's back. no reason to think that Bill's team won't be back again next. Won't have the opportunity to be back there again next year. So he'll be back and he'll be ready. I'm not concerned about Josh Allen. Long I'm not either. I just thought I thought it was a case of him trying to do too much in this game. You saw a lot of the passes that normally he would make out to Stefan Diggs uh, sailing over his head. Um, and that's I in my attribution to that game is like that was him just being nervous and trying to do too much moment also if you're a quarterback you can't take a 30 yard loss on a 25 yard sack um Mm -hmm. especially in a championship game that throws your team into such a uh you lose field position you lose the field possession battle in the game and you just lose so much momentum uh I think the Bills should have gone for it more on their fourth downs. Josh Allen should have ran more. He did that a little bit later on in the game, but that was pretty much when the game was already already decided. 
Um, but yes, the Bills will be back. But for right now, the Chiefs, in my opinion, this was the most complete game that the Chiefs played this entire season. I think in the regular season, the Chiefs had it on. They were driving their shiny new Tesla after their Super Bowl victory. They had it on crew autopilot. They were just coasting. Week five, week five, the Tesla had to go into the shop for a battery issue. That was when the Oakland Raiders beat them. Uh, but then they put it in on autopilot the rest of the season and somehow just kept on rolling when Patrick Mahomes got hurt and you throw Chad Haney in there and it works. Uh, it seems like this team finally cares about the games that they're playing in. And it's not just like, uh, we'll, we're just here cause we're here. We're trying to make it to where we want to. Um, so now they they've reached their destination in their run it back tour, but we'll see if they can, uh, win this game. Obviously, uh, this game is going to be in Tampa Bay against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And no, it is not officially a home game. That's not how the Super Bowl works, but it is a home game uh, for the first time in NFL history. Uh, Tom Brady will appear in his 10th, yes, you heard it right, 10th Super Bowl as a starting quarterback. Pat Mahomes now has his second appearance all time. Um, and Think about this. Tom Brady's Super Bowl percentage is higher than Steph Curry's three-point shooting percentage. The odds of Tom Brady making a Super Bowl in a given season are greater than the odds of Steph Curry hitting a three-pointer. In a... That's crazy. That's crazy. It's absolutely insane. It's, it's remarkable how well it works. Tom Brady basically said, put out a uh, – a just a broadcast to NFL teams and he said hey yo who wants to go win a Super Bowl and it worked down in Tampa Bay they did it um well they haven't won it yet but they're they're where they want to be it plug and play it works um does I guess who's to say if it's Tom Brady calling the plays or Bruce Arians but whatever is working worked for them Patrick Mahomes now is in his second, which think about this, his second Super Bowl appearance. He already has more appearances than Aaron Rodgers and Drew Brees. He has the same number as them combined, which is absolutely crazy to think about as well. Um, Head to head so far, Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes are two of two. Uh, Tom Brady did get the best of Patrick Mahomes in their lone playoff appearance um, back in 2018 in that AFC championship game as uh, Brady won it in overtime. And they went on to win the Super Bowl that season. But it'll be a fun game that will be in two weeks. Uh, 22,000 fans are announced to be able to go to that game in Tampa. Uh, and if you're wanting to go, it's going to cost you the price of a nice used car. Ticket prices are going for six to seven grand. I saw one person pay for four seats, $160,000 at midfield, about field level. So pony up if you want to go to this COVID quarantine Super Bowl. We'll yeah. talk a little bit more about this Super Bowl as or ne- on next week's episode as it gets closer. We'll have our preview of it, but... For right now, Mike's got to fill us in on a little bit of some MLB news as we're starting to get ready to think about that here in a little bit. Yes, of course. We are now only about a little over three weeks out from the um, 
from the planned start of spring training, about three weeks, believe it or not. Spring is in three weeks, guys. As Iowa is getting hit with a foot of snow, spring is in three weeks. Um, yes. Um, so speaking of spring training, there was a – uh, a letter sent from the Cactus League and the state of Arizona um, asking for a delay of spring training. Um, they could ask all they want, but even if MLB wanted to do something, they can't do. They can't change the schedule without an agreement from the players, and the players aren't going to agree with that unless they're going to get paid. Unless they're going to get paid for the full season, no matter what. The players aren't going to accept less than full pay this year. Like that's just that's just going to be the way it is. So basically, the league can't change the schedule without the players. So the schedule is going to go on as expected, no matter what. I don't expect any delays in spring training or this season. I expect there to probably be a full season this year at this point. Um, next year, um, in the 2022 season, that might not happen. That just might because of the end of the, C, the CBA expires at the end of the year. But for now, I expect this season to happen um, full and completely. Um, other note is the players also shot down a deal from the league to have a universal DH this year and um, expand the playoffs. So I would, the league hasn't completely given up on those but I would presume that neither of those are going to be happening for this year. And they will again go to be something that will have to be ironed out in this next collective bargaining. So there you have it. This baseball season might be a normal one outside of maybe some fans not being in the stands um, for in stadiums for part and or all of the season, depending on where the team plays. So keep that in mind, but spring training is, like three weeks away. So get your glove out and get ready. Let's go. Baseball season. Um, but it is still football season. That's what's happening. So in Mike's Stupid Rules segment, we are going to keep talking about football rules. And there was nothing super interesting as far as rules interpretation-wise um, that happened in this week's games. I mean, when there's only two um, – you know, that's sort of what you expect is there's less interesting rules things. But one that was interesting was um, on a Tampa Bay kickoff early in the second quarter after their first second quarter touchdown, they had a kickoff that um, bounced right around the goal line, right? So normally if a, kickoff, if a kickoff bounces in the end zone, it's a touchback, right? According to um, NFL Rule 6, um, section two or section one, article five, sorry, it is a touchback. If a free kick touches the ground in the end zone before being touched by the receiving team. Now the key on this play, right? So originally on the field, it was ruled not a touchback and it was very confusing because like the Packers starting offense, like took four steps onto the field. Cause like the returner did like the whole, this is going to be a touchback symbol. So as soon as the ball hit the ground, they started running out onto the field. But then it wasn't ruled a touchback because it was really close. So then the Packers had like 15 guys on the field at one point, And it was a real light mess. Anyway, um, upon review, though, it ruled that the ball did hit the goal line just barely. 
And as we know from touchdowns, right, the ball just has to cross the plane. Same thing here on kickoffs for the touchback. The um, Touching the ground um, in the end zone counts the goal line. The goal line is part of the end zone as far as this rule goes. So upon a Packers challenge and review, that was the correct call that this was a touchback. So there you go. That was a touchback. It was officiated correctly upon review. So there you have it. That is all like stupid rules this week. Pretty pretty simple interpretation again, unless you have something to add, Wyatt. Yeah, if I mean if you don't believe us, you can you can check it out. And it does say there is verbiage in the rule book that says on or behind the goal line too, in case you want to dispute the fact that what Mike just read says the end zone. Uh, if you want to try to make the argument that the goal line is not part of the end zone, you would be one completely wrong. And two, Rule 9, Section 3, Article 3, Subsection A, Part 1, specifically says uh, the ball is dead and it's touchback when it touches the ground on or behind the receiver's goal line. I do have a pop quiz for you, Mike, that I stumbled uh, across going through the rule book here. Can you think of a situation where a touchback is awarded when the ball is not dead in the end? A touchback in the end zone where the ball is not so a, a touchback touch when the ball is not dead in the end zone. Um, uh, to just a uh, fun fact, I double checked. I believe this is only an NFL rule. This is not in uh, NCAA or high school rules. I was gonna say, you know, I mean, in college, you can fair catch a kickoff inside the 25 and it goes out to the 20. Yep, that, that is treated as a touchback, but this is um, specifically where the ball is not dead in the end zone in the NFL and it's awarded or could be awarded as a touchback. I don't know. What is it? I'm curious. It's, Illegal touching by the kicking team of a, of a punt, a scrimmage kick, inside the five-yard line. So if a member of the kicking team goes out of bounds and touches the ball first, this is illegal touching, right? If this occurs inside the five-yard line, between the five-yard line and the end zone, the receiving team has the option to take a touchback out of it. Oh, so, yes, okay, illegal touching the penalty. Side, which is different than the first touching violation yes. we talked about multiple different times. Correct. This is yes. the, the illegal touching penalty, not not the act of first touching. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yes. Okay. Cool. Interesting. I did not know that. I I didn't either. You learn something new every day. If you want to look this up yourself, this is uh, within Rule Nine, Section Two, uh, Article Two, towards the bottom. There, there's a specific uh, note about penalty enforcement, and uh, it says if illegal touching occurs within the receiver's five-yard line, they have the option of taking a touchback. So there you go. You got a little fun fact with your Mike Super Rule segment this week. Oh, nice. Bonus. Bonus. That is it for Mike Stupid Rules this week. Maybe there'll be an interesting uh, rule comes up in the Super Bowl in a couple weeks that we can talk about. But for now, we will move into our accountability session in our Write That Down prediction session. Quite a few predictions coming off the board this week, so we'll get right at them. Um, Josh predicted that Alan Lazard would play in 80% of the Packers games. Um, Because of his injury, he only got in um, uh, 12 games this year. Um, 12 out of the 20 games they ended up playing is only C percent. Um, So for that, Josh gets a meh. Uh, Kyle predicted that the Chiefs would be the AFC Super Bowl representative, which they are. So, ding, 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 ding. <laughs> Wyatt had countered that prediction by saying the Bills would be the Super Bowl representative. Note that this was like way back before the season started um, that they made both made these predictions, but nonetheless, um, Wyatt was still wrong. So, meh. Nah. 
Josh predicted the Packers would go to the Super Bowl, which they didn't. So, nah. Nah. Um, Josh predicted that Lazard would have two playoff TDs, which he didn't. So, nah. Nah. Josh predicted that Lazard would have three playoff TDs, which he didn't. So, nah. <laughs> nah. <laughs> um, I predicted the Bills would not win the Super Bowl, which since they lost, they will not win the Super Bowl. So, for that, I get a ding-ding-ding-ding. Um, and Wyatt predicted that Pat Mahomes would take another snap this season, which he played the whole game. So that's definitely taking another snap. So ding, 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 ding. That is it for our accountability session. Kyle, do you want to um, put some predictions back on the board for us? Well, I'm just going to put one on the board for me. And I'm going to say that the Chiefs will have no turnovers. No turnovers in the no turnovers, period. This includes special teams like muff punts at the five-yard line. No turnovers in the Super Bowl. What do you think? Probably double, Wyatt? Um, yeah, I, I, there's not really any good stats on that to base a They had two turnovers in the Super Bowl last year. Yeah, I'm thinking double. Okay. Double, double, double. Wyatt, do you want to go next? We're going to mix it up because my prediction makes much more sense after you do yours. So we're going to mix it up and have you do yours. Yeah, uh, I'm going to say that Tom Brady specifically uh, does not throw a single interception in the Super Bowl. Just Tom Brady, not not Tampa Bay. Um, Tom Brady has how many interceptions this year? Have you looked it up? Fifteen. Does that I have. Playoffs? Yeah. Yes, including the three from this past week. So he averages just under one a game. They've played 21 games. No, no, they haven't played 21 games. Sorry, they've played 19 they played, games. Yeah. My bad. No. 20? They played 20 games. So 1.3 interceptions a game, right? That's how the math works. It's 20 games, right? Oh, they played 18 games. No, they had 16 regular season games, and they played three playoff games, Ka. Oh. Wild Card Division Championship. That equals 19 games. Yeah, I forgot that the Buccaneers, because of Tom Brady, were not yep. – Yeah. Oh, you're right. My bad. I don't know how to count. Yeah, they played 19 games. Yeah. So less than one interception per game. Um, single, double. I'm okay with a double. Kyle, single or double? I think, I don't know. I think mine. Single then. Okay. That's rude. <laughs> what do you got, Mike? Yeah. Um, I'm going to predict that both teams will have a turnover in the Super Bowl. See, that makes more sense after both of them predict about no turnovers. So that's why I had to switch. Both teams have at least one turnover in the Super Single. Because I, I do think that Tampa Bay will have a turnover. I still think Tom Brady's going to. I think that if the Chiefs have a turnover, it's going to be a strip sack because of the Buccaneers' fence. It's not going to be in. Uh, no way Mahomes is going to. It can happen. Sing- why, why was emphatic with the single? So I guess we're going single. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Let's lowball all these. Do we have anyone from Josh's week? He's still alive after that awful Packers loss. Yep, he's still doing good. A little salty at the officiating, but he's still doing good. Um, Josh is predicting that the Packers will lose Aaron Jones before the start of next season. Will this have to go on next seasons? It will have to go on next seasons. That's okay. But Josh predicts that the Packers will lose Aaron Jones before the start of next season. What I if think, it happens before? I think there's a high likelihood of this happening, mainly because drafted AJ Dillon. And I think Aaron Jones is going to be too. What's expensive. Aaron Jones's contract look like? Well, he's um, a contract right now. Yeah, but how many years is that? 
I think this is his first year of eligibility. Let's see. Um, he is an unrestricted free agent, it looks like. Yeah. So if I'm reading the website correctly, he is an unrestricted free agent here at the end of the season. So mm. I honestly think there's a high likelihood of this happening. I agree. I'm thinking single or double for this as well. I was thinking. I have for Lobong, I still go single. I would like to move, I would like to file a motion to demote Kyle's to a single as well so we can all be even. (laughs) 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 Too bad we don't have that in the rules of the write that down prediction segment. Uh, Speaking of which, since we have all four predictions up on there, that concludes this segment, which means we're at the end of the episode. Thank you so much for listening to episode 116 of the 8311 cast. Appreciate you sticking around and supporting us on each and every one of our episodes. Signing off for the 8311 cast. We have your hosts, Kyle Mersch, Mike Ludwig, and Wyatt Teeter. We'll talk to you again next week. Go Cyclones. Go Cyclones. Go Cyclones.